This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 139. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. On bonus episode 139 we're looking at another new release in the old horror genre. Don't know why I sang that word but let's do it anyway. This is early on Saturday morning for the D-Man and he is bringing you a review of Velvet Buzzsaw. The new movie by Dan Gilroy starring a plethora of A-list stars. This is an A-list star movie. It is available on Netflix worldwide. So um, with all the reviews of new horror films, I will let you know right now, I am going to spoil it. I will let you know when I'm going to spoil it. However, you have an avenue there. If you've got a Netflix account, go out, check the movie and then come back and listen to the show. Now, this is the third of four planned episodes this week. Right at the start of the week, we kicked off something fun, fresh and funky. There's a lot of Fs. Um, And a little bit of a new segment that we're doing for Podcasts Under the Stairs. A choose-your-own-horror podcast adventure, so to speak. A journey of movies which you will control through your selections each episode. And we'll see how far we can run that game before we run out of steam, we run out of patience, we run out of tolerance, I think. But yes, that was Monday. Then on Thursday, we announced Movie Club. That is a little bit of deathgasm. So looking forward to getting all your reviews in for the 20th. No later than Wednesday, the 20th. Episode drop-in on Thursday, the 21st. Obviously, today we're talking Velvet Buzzsaw, and then we'll be swinging a review tomorrow, continuing our look at 18 Films Italian Collection Series when we drop a review of Syndicate Sadists. So that will be dropping tomorrow. And then into Monday, kicking off a brand new week, another four-episode week for you next week, because we're just doing four-episode weeks now, apparently, all the time, and why not? Um, The show that we'll be dropping next week on Monday will be a little bit of Andy Love's Art House, and we'll be looking at his fourth movie, which is Barbarian Sound Studio. So we're looking forward to seeing what he made of that Peter Strickland outing into the 70s retro Italian giallo Europe horror surrealist soundtrack scope thing. I don't know if it like that. It just sounds like a lot of words thrown together. It probably is, to be honest. It's like a person that puts three dice in a cup and then shakes it and just watch where they fall. Imagine those were words that were on the sides of the dice and they all fell just gibberish. That is literally what I just did there. I just did gibberish. Yay! So yeah, that is what is upcoming on Podcast Under the Stairs. Keep your eyes peeled. This week coming, um, we will be launching another t-shirt campaign. This time for the 30 Shades of Baz. A design by our good buddy Richard all the way over in Sweden. Who designed um, a little something for Baz's leaving of the show last year. 
and we could have been sitting on the design for a while and we modified it for t-shirt so it'll be up in a campaign, standard campaign. I am for the American listeners who um, are of a larger size, a larger persuasion in the size. I'm looking into alternatives over there and I'll see this year about running one or two campaigns and um, if I find the right supplier that does bigger sizes and if you know them, please let me know. We'll see if we can set some things over there and bring back some of the older designs that we've run in the past for those that didn't get them before. So I'm thinking about you ladies and gents out there. I have not forgotten the Right, I'm going to take a very short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear a little bit of music and then the trailer for 2019's Velvet Buzzsaw. All that more coming right back right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure-all. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening.
critique is so limiting and emotionally draining. I'm hoping you find something to explain what's happening. Which one's better, one or two? Better or worse, no different. No different. I'm quite curious to know what you think. I think sober hasn't been good for him. Pierce was in the full bloom of alcoholism here. Exactly. Never should have quit drinking. No originality. No courage. My opinion. I can't save you. I found something. Who did these? Uh, mesmeric. A uh, guy upstairs. He died. And you just took them. He had no family or friends. I can make you rich. Brilliant. Demand has people ready to kill. Have you ever heard of an artist named Ventral Deeds? No, not in our records, and we have everyone. The artist used blood to create the reddish blocks. You ever notice anything about this painting? You look at it long enough, it moves. As I research Deeds, I'm starting to think there's a disgust for the world of money. I spent decades in a psychiatric hospital for the criminally insane. There is some sort of power. Some spirit. It's connected to his art. Something truly goddamn strange is going on! This is the slaughterhouse. Are you aware that Dee's asked that all his art be destroyed? Help! Get rid of it. Box it off. I can't save you. People thought she was part of an exhibit. We're trending on Instagram. It's a major hit. And welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for Velvet Buzzsaw, currently available on Netflix all over the globe. This movie is directed by Dan Gilroy. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Dan Gilroy, that doesn't sound like a name I should remember or I should know. What is his involvement in horror? And you would be alright with that, that's fine. He's mostly known as a writer, to be honest with you. His writing credits go like all over the place from everything like Kong, Skull Island. Um, I think he wrote that, um, what was it, Roman Israel movie with uh, Denzel Washington, which was actually really good. But he's most notably known for doing a little movie uh, called Nightcrawler. Now, he also directed that Roman. It's Roman Israel, I think. I think that's the name of it. I should have probably done my research. Um, but yeah, like I say, I think he did that one with Denzel Washington. Like I say, I've still to see it. But at the same time, um, he did this little movie called Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler was kind of incredible. Uh, it was one of these movies where didn't get a massive amount of press at the time except it kind of fell in that weird Jake Gyllenhaal phase where he really started like doing some I mean he's always been an interesting actor I mean you look at things like Donnie Darko for example he's not scared of doing weirder projects um, but certainly with 
the kind of 2013-2014 he did uh, Prisoner which was with um, uh, Denny Villeneuve directed that he then jumped in to do Enemy which is this incredible must see but not enough people have seen um, movie I think, I think it was a Canadian production uh, came out the same year as The Double it was all about doppelgangers it was fucking excellent and yeah he did Nightcrawler as well and in Nightcrawler he really portrayed this kind of dark twisted little character but the visual style of it the the direction of it just the story and everything else put Dan Gilroy on the map for me and obviously he's been away he's done some other shit this is him returning to quote unquote the horror genre uh, although I would argue Nightcrawler's not a horror movie, it certainly was covered extensively by horror genre sites, um, mostly because of its kind of dark subject matter. So yeah, so we have that to, uh, to kind of look at the back credits and stuff of what he actually has done. And um, yeah, then we, then we heard that he was doing Velvet Buzzsaw and we all got excited, I got excited, you got excited, the internet got excited, very little press about this one but what we had heard was it was going to play Can or Sundance, one of the two, whatever that one is it's just passed and as soon as it had played there it was going to go straight to Netflix and you'd be able to see it all over the world and we all got super excited and a trailer dropped, it looked kind of weird, the synopsis for it sounded really interesting uh, so let's do a bit of that, let's talk about the cast list first um, and then I'll go into my non-spoiler review of this. So Jake Gyllenhaal, once again working with Dan Gilroy in this uh, this production, as well as Randy Russo. We have uh, Zwavi Ashton, Tom Sturridge, uh, Tony Collette, Na- Natalia Dyer, Davy Diggs, John Malkovich, Billy Magnuson, Alan Mandel, uh, Meg Macaro, uh, Natya Vigayasagar, um, and some other folks. There's a lot of names in there. Synopsis for this one is after a series of paintings by an unknown artist are discovered, a supernatural force enacts revenge on those who allowed their greed to get in the way of their art. Which is a pretty good synopsis. I don't necessarily think that's that's entirely applicable, but it's, I mean, it's there. It's there or thereabouts. Um, what did I think of Velvet Buzzsaw? So this is a non-spoiler review, we'll get into a bit more details. Uh, there's a whole hell of a lot to like in Velvet Buzzsaw, specifically when it comes to cast. The cast lists are brilliant. Every Dan Gilroy project should involve uh, performances by Rennie Russo. I think she works great under his direction. But Jake Gyllenhaal always seems to turn a blinder um, when linked with this guy. I mean, the, the two specific kind of roles couldn't have been any more different if you link the if you like the performance in Nightcrawler to the performance you're getting here in Velvet Buzzsaw they're very different but at the same time I like to think that they are extremities of of personality and I think he covers that really well Obsession I think Jake Gyllenhaal manages to capture what's the right word I think he really managed to he embodies it there's the word he embodies it better than most and I think when you watch him on screen in a movie like Nightcrawler you get this idea of someone that has found a niche, someone that just wants to be successful, wants to be powerful, wants to be noticed and wants to be recognised. Velvet Buzzsaw is almost what would happen if that character made it. Um, 
It's like the other end of the spectrum. This guy has everything. He has power, influence. He has a world at his fingertips. People wait in his bated breath to see what his interests are. So it's almost like the antithesis of that character personified in this new movie. Like, you know, what happens if this guy got everything he ever wanted? Well, here you are. Um, and the weird thing about it is, turns out that even when people get everything they want, they still want more. We're greedy bastards that way. Nothing is ever enough for for the, the kind of human drive. So, the movie, you know, like I say, great cast. Uh, Tony Collette turns in a small role here, but it's kind of awesome. Rennie Rousseau, I love Rennie Rousseau. I, I wish she did more, if I'm honest. I think she's a fucking great actress and seems to really turn her hand to kind of vicious socialite, to kind of lovable rogue to Mel Gibson's other half in the Lethal Weapon movies, question mark. Um, so she's excellent. Tony Collette plays a total sleaze in this movie in a way that I can totally get behind. Uh, we get a small performance by John Malkovich and a bit of a story that doesn't go very, well, very far. And that's going to come into the negative aspects in a minute. I think the movie's shot beautifully. I mean, this is eye-porn uh, if ever there was one. Uh, the cinematography's awesome. These colour, light texture, the use of art in this movie, um, the way it's constructed, the direction, it's all excellent. There's, there's nothing I can fault this movie on. I really enjoyed the score. The score in this movie is subtle, but at times impactious. Um, it kind of flows through the movie and ties everything in, gives it a nice bit of cohesion when you watch it. So I really enjoyed that aspect. And individual set pieces in this movie are kind of fucking awesome. Like, the individual set kills are kind of great. My issue with the movie lies, and like I say, we'll get a bit more in the in the spoiler section of, of this review. My, my kind of issue lies with it feels like a series of kind of portmanteau deaths um, that are all just strung together with a linking through story, which is good, but kind of leaves a bit to the imagination. And that when you're watching it, you're like, oh, this is a really interesting part of the story. I really hope we get more of this. And then you sit and you watch and you watch and um, it doesn't necessarily deliver on that. If anything, it at times just goes round and round in circles, which is a bit frustrating. Um, some of the aspects from my point of view that are the most interesting side of this movie, we don't get enough kind of investigation or they don't flesh it out. Instead, the film itself and the characters spend a bit too much time uh, kind of vacuously looking at themselves. And I think on some level, that's the point of the movie. It's just not necessarily the full vision I wanted to see when sitting down to watch it. I mean, on a lot of levels, I can see why people don't like a movie like Neon Demon because they say, well, we get the point of the movie, the art, uh, you know, the model industry is vicious and self-consuming and self-obsessed. We don't need a two-hour movie wrapped up in a jalo uh, kind of setting with witchcraft and all that shit to show us that. Um, so really, is it's, it's all style and no substance. Velvet Buzzsaw has a lot of style and has a lot of substance. What it doesn't necessarily not, doesn't necessarily have is the cohesion to hold it all together and the interest in the aspects that make the story kind of what a horror movie is there's very little investigation done in the movie and when it is done it's kind of ham-fisted and it doesn't really return the results out with a lot of cliches that we've seen done before and to be honest done better so yeah it's, it's a big drag on it for me because every time a death would happen, I would get really interesting uh, kind of feelings and I'd get really absorbed in the movie and I would start leaning into it 
Um, and then, to be honest, something would happen and I would start to lose interest. There's a lot of art, uh, kind of art dealers speaking to art critics and all the rest. And I like the dialogue, but there's just a lot of it. And it kind of almost puts an anchor in the sand every time we're trying to move forward. And it's kind of pulling us back, it's weighting the story up in an aspect which you generally wouldn't see in a horror movie. I think it doesn't help that the runtime is almost two hours long. I think you can chop out a bit of the dialogue here. Uh, it's almost got that house that Jack built syndrome where you can chop a good 15, 20 minutes out and you wouldn't detrimentally affect the, the flow of the movie. If anything, I think it would be a bit more concise. That being said, the deaths are fucking wicked. Some of the set pieces are phenomenal. And like I say, the casting is, is really, really good. It's a weirdly frustrating watch for me, but at times a movie that I found myself really enjoying. In fact, if truth be told, originally when I finished it, I was like, well, this is a 2.5 movie. It's uh, I think I liked it, but I didn't hate it, but I would be maybe low to say I liked it. And then I sat and I thought about it for a good like 15, 20 minutes, racked it through my brain, kept thinking about what it was about Velvet Buzzsaw that I liked against what it was that I didn't like and ultimately my review for the movie on the Netflix scale, well the old school Netflix scale would be a 3.5 somewhere between I liked it and I really liked it I think there was much room for improvement here Dan Gilroy for me is experiment. it's a very, a very witty and very funny movie at times um, and like I say Jake Gyllenhaal once again turning in a fucking phenomenal performance love that guy as an actor I think there's very little like that he has done that I have disliked. Even a movie like Bubble Boy, which is so fucking ridiculous, and it's a terrible movie, he's kind of funny in it. He's kind of awesome. And I kind of like that aspect about it as well. So, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I land with Velvet Buzzsaw. I kind of come down on the, the view that it's a 3.5. I really wished it was higher. I wished it was more, but I have to be honest to my feelings. Right, are you ready to talk a little bit about some spoilers? I'm going to not go full spoiler or spoilery, but I do want to talk about some of the deaths and some of the setups. And we're going to do that, ladies and gents, in three, two, one. So in this movie, the big setup is that, you know, these art dealers are really bored, they're uninspired, these critics are, are, are seeing things and there's just nothing fresh, new or spunky to kind of grab the attention of of uh, the art community. They're waiting for the next big thing. It used to be uh, John Malkovich's character, but he's kind of lost his inspiration. He's kind of flunked out a little bit. Um, there's this kind of new up-and-coming kid that might be quite interesting. And you get this kind of bitchiness between uh, Renny Russo and at first you consider her assistant, but she eventually becomes a bit of a power player in the movie. Uh, she comes across these paintings, Turns out the painter has died. And they were going to be binned and destroyed. And that's an important detail here. But she manages to, to take them away. She shows them to Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Who instantly falls in love. He thinks that this is the next big thing. And because they are in possession of them. They're going to trade them, deal them, do art shows with them. And all the rest. There's one issue. The issue is that the paintings appear to be cursed. Um, in that if you trade them off like trading cards, the way that they are being dealt with, without the respect here, or you try and basically take them, uh, you will befall a, a, a terrible fate, a death, a death curse is uh, brought upon you, um, usually involving art, which is the irony here, art is going to kill you if you don't respect the art, 
then uh, if you don't respect the art, uh, the artist's art will will consume you uh, in some capacity. So that's kind of the setup. Um, here's where we get into some of the stuff that I liked. Um, so uh, John Malkovich is great in this movie. Uh, I think. As a negative to this, we don't really do much with him as a character or much with him as a story, which is frustrating. But his interactions with other characters are kind of awesome. And he's almost the, I kind of sense something evil is here, something, you know, that sort of character. She's done in a very different way. Uh, Tony Collette is, he completes sleaze in this movie in the best possible way. Her death is great. It's maybe one of the best set pieces in this movie, of which there are a good few. Uh, it involves this giant metal sphere that you can put your your arm in and you get a different experience. I was watching it thinking Flash Gordon, but it's not that. Um, so you put your arm in this sphere. Her arm gets chopped off. It gets consumed by the art. The art eats it. We get this fucking great scene where basically all the other holes start spraying blood out like a fountain. Uh, she falls down. I think it's a great scene. I think it's set up really well. I think every time puts, someone puts their hand in that sphere anyway, I get the fear, I get the sphere, fear, watching it, um, so I thought that was great, I thought uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's death is maybe one of the best in the movie, even though you don't necessarily see things, it involves this this robot, um, and there are a few things as weirdly terrifying in this movie, as this robot running down a kind of storage hall, smacking crutches off it, making noises, and then chasing him on a crutch so this robot's running with a crutch so weird so bizarre so unsettling um, so I love that aspect as well there's a scene where a painting actually kills a person which I think is kind of cool monkeys uh, mischievous monkeys uh, killing someone I thought that was all really really good as well where the movie falls over and like I said in the non-spoiler section is the way that they tie things up so to me the really interesting aspect is that there's this painter who has this weird story that we get in a flashback scene which felt a bit ham-fisted if I'm honest um, the sort of thing you would have seen on like that Sabrina TV show where they did a flashback it kind of felt like that I find that this painter uh, when he died he wasn't originally born a painter but or even had an interest until much later on in his life when he died he basically left in his will the command that he wanted these paintings destroyed almost as if he channeled something too evil to continue on and didn't want it to remain so that's your that's your kind of command it really gets into the head of Jake Gyllenhaal but the other characters don't listen and as a result their community is gutted one by one by the curse of these paintings now to me the interesting exciting aspect about this movie is that bit let's give me the the deep dive where's the microfiche you know what I mean let's give us a deep dive on the character a bit more investigation let's find out what it is specifically that has scared them and to be honest it's all very superficially covered in the movie in a way that doesn't feel anywhere near as satisfying as it should and to me that that's the bit that makes it the horror movie, not just the deaths, but the, the whole mythology. It's the backstory, it's the story around the campfire when you, you hear of the curse of someone and you get that entire backstory leading up to it. It's really not done well in this movie. It's done very unsatisfying and um, I think it's maybe one of the things that took me out of overall. I also think, like I say, there's a lot of dialogue sections in here where it's people being bitchy about one person or insecure about another or supremely confident or just wanting to destroy another person's reputation. Which on the surface, all those conversations are great, but in this movie, they slow it down incredibly. Um, I also think, like I said, the John Malkovich side of things is a really interesting character and a great actor and we're really relegated to kind of just a couple of 
short visits with him and his struggling ability to actually garner the power uh, or the insight to bring back what was once a great career. Um, I would love more of that to be fleshed out. We didn't really get it. And ultimately what we're left is some great kills in this movie. A beautifully shot movie with great kills but with a story that is inconsistent at times. I actually love the ending. The ending's got like a really weird little twist. And I say twist, a reveal, so to speak, which is kind of abstract as well as being blatant. So it's oxymoronic at the same time as being really cool. Um, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it's a frustrating watch, but not frustrating in the point that I felt angry when it finished. Just frustrated in that. I think with a, a couple of tweaks here or there, this movie could have been fucking excellent this could be a 4.5 to a 5 star movie and ultimately what you get is a misstep I think I don't know if he's more interested Dan Gilroy that is in the kind of art conversation in here and he's just put the horror stuff in there just as a package or vehicle to deliver the vengeance uh, that needs to be wrought on these artistic people or if you know it was kind of like I started making a horror movie and then I really decided that this was more my interest it's a kind of weird bag, if I'm honest. Um, a 3.5 feels right for me. I can't see ever going above that. I can't see me ever watching this movie again and being like, actually, I got it wrong first time. This is much better than I thought. I think it'll always be about the 3.5 for me. And that's cool. I mean, I, there's there's a couple of scenes in this that I think are brilliant and I'll talk about them most likely at the end of this year uh, as standout scenes that I really loved. But overall, as a movie, which it's supposed to be, um, it was a mixed affair overall. So there we go. That is my review of Velvet Buzzsaw. Um, yeah, I don't know. What did you guys think? Let me know on the Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. I gave it 3.5. What did you give it and why? Right, so I'm going to take my final break of the show. When I come back, I'm closing it out and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. It's been bonus episode 139 with a little bonus review of Velvet Buzzsaw. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, I say come across and check us out on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the feed, leave us a rating and a review. It's the best way to support our show over on that platform. You can check us out on Stitcher, Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play and the TuneIn app. You can visit our website, it's tputzcast.com and if you want to buy merch and support the show with pennies, you can go to tputzcast.bigcartel.com and buy a poster or an enamel pin and support what we do. You can go to our Facebook pages if you want to be part of the community group and interact with our listeners, chat about movies, etc, etc. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. If all you're interested in is notes for when the show have dropped and the occasional live stream at a Thursday Thursday, if you will, then go to cast on facebook.com forward slash cast. Nice and easy. You can interact with me and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter. Both can be followed at Teapot's Cast. The podcast under the stairs will return tomorrow with the next instalment of our 88 Films Italian Collection series looking at Syndicate Sadists. But until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. Mm-hmm.